This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Happy Thursday, everybody. <laughs> the week is winding down. Oh, I'm so happy to hear that. <laughs> I had a good week. I tend to, uh, but... I'm never mad when I see the, uh, the weekend on its way, you know, sleep in, play with my plants. Yeah, that's right. I walk around, I talk to them, I touch them, I water them, move them around, give them a little sunlight. It's a whole thing. And the more I have, the more difficult it becomes, but it's good. It not only detoxifies your space. That was a really powerful reason for getting so many is it cleans out a lot of the chemicals that can be in your home or your environment. They're also very soothing. I think I sleep better. The air feels cleaner and they're also really beautiful. They make me happy. Like when I see them, I smile. So for me, that's been like a really nice addition. And I know that during quarantine, a lot of people really went ham on the plants and I get it. They're trying to connect more with nature. So they're trying to bring it in their home because they can't go out and being stuck in your home as often as we are right now, or at least those that are following following, you know, the recommendations, having plants around you kind of really changes the space and makes it a little more soothing and comfortable. So think about that. Look around and realize, is there any ways I can bring some life into the home? Because a couple plants, they're not that expensive. Some of them are very easy to take care of. I mean, that had to be part of it because I'm not great with plants for whatever reason, but snake plants, peace lilies, they've become among my favorites because they're really easy to take care of. They don't need a lot of light. I, I am one of those outliers. I don't like a lot of light. So my place always has these blinds closed that lets a little sun in. I don't tend to turn on a lot of lights. I kind of like it a little cocoony. It makes me feel safe. All right. I want to talk about a really big study that came out. Women who use pornography more frequently tend to have better sexual outcomes. Now, I like weighing in on this stuff because a lot of people love slamming porn and talk about the downsides, but we don't always talk about the positives. And a lot of really important stuff came out of this study. So basically, they're looking at the benefits and the pauses that come out of women that use pornography, and of course, masturbation is tied to that. And so the benefits, they saw that the more frequent use of pornography was associated with less difficulty becoming aroused, which a lot of female identified people and vagina owners discuss struggle getting in the mood or turned on. The more porn they use, the easier that was for them. They also had an easier time orgasming. That's because they're getting more comfortable with their bodies and that process. They're practicing letting go. Um, greater orgasmic pleasure and a higher percentage of time reaching orgasm. And for those that are partnered, their use of pornography was also associated with less difficulty becoming aroused and greater ability to orgasm. So really wrapping around it, it had a positive impact on them and their relationship. And even with male identified or penis owners who look at porn, it's the same thing that anyone who had a relational problem, it's not because of the porn, it's usually that the relational or marital issues drive them to use more porn. And so the issue is the relationship. But we tend to look at it in the inverse. We think that the 
relationship is tanking because of the use of porn. That's not true. And that actually doesn't make really any sense either when you look at it. It's driven often by, but I also always hold space that some people are solo sexed, meaning their sexual orientation is more towards solo sexuality, masturbation, sex itself. They're not necessarily geared, interested, or driven towards partnered sex. And that's okay. Some people are also asexual where they don't have sexual desire, sex drive, or sexual interest. They might still be open to sex. They might still have sex. They might still masturbate for other reasons, but these are all diverse, acceptable, healthy ways of being. We really assume that everyone has sex drive or should, or something's wrong. Everyone should want partnered sex, but that's just not how it works. And some people are fetish sexual, which means that they're driven towards sex. That's really not about the person. It's more about the experience, the body part, or all these other factors. And that's okay too. Looking at another interesting study is a survey that was done showed that three in 10 Americans left lockdown to have sex, three in 10. Now, it depends who you ask whether that's high or low. I mean, the conversation around all of this was everyone gets to decide for themselves the level of risk they're willing to take. But for the first time ever, the decisions you make around sex really do impact those around you in a way that it hasn't before. And so three in 10... I mean, I would have loved that to have been zero <laughs> because it's a very high risk to leave your house and have sex with someone that you're not you know, cohabitating with, right? The best partnered sex to have was with someone you're sharing a home with. The safest sex right now is to have sex with yourself or with someone from a distance using you know, webcams, picture sharing, sexting, whatever. So for those that left the home, it's a big risk because we're worried about the aerosols. Uh, did you keep a mask on? I mean, that helps. You know, were you, were you, did you wash your hands? Uh, did you maybe just use body parts? I mean, there are some safer ways to do it, but you know, I don't know what to say about that one. It also pointed out that 65% of respondents said boredom was the main cause for their sexual encounters. Now, some people, that's what happens. Loneliness or boredom can be translated into horniness. And we go try to find something fun, stimulating. We want to just deeply connect with another person. And so sex can be a way to get that need met. But I just want to remind everyone that you can get that same need met without having to meet up with them in real time. We can still have really hot sex and be seen and see and connect via FaceTime, camming, sexting, and just really be thoughtful again about your level of health, the level of risk, and also those around you. And then finally, we got to just call this out because there's a bunch of uh, ADA exemption cards going around, American Disability Act. That's the ADA. ADA exemption cards where people are saying, oh, I actually fall under the ADA regulations that say I'm exempt from having to wear a mask. Here's my card. And those cards are fake. And there's a fake company that's creating them and passing them around. So anyone seeing another bust that out, you don't have to honor that or listen to that. That's not that those cards that are going around are not real. A letter from someone's doctor is one thing, but these cards from a company called FBA, the Freedom to Breathe Agency, that is not real. And they're distributing what are called face mask exemption cards, and those are not real. So look for that. That is not covered under the ADA. Uh, all right, coming up next, we got Chili from the iconic band TLC coming on. I'm talking about motherhood and also her controversial, interesting opinions on marriage. Stick around for that. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on radio.com. Good evening and welcome to I'm Listening Live with Dr. Chris. I'm Listening is a 24-7, 365 initiative that works to destigmatize talking about mental health. we got a great show planned for you. We've got Chili from, of course, the iconic TLC, as well as Jocelyn DeFries from Strange Angel on CBS All Access. Now, we've had quite a week when we're talking about social justice intersecting with mental health. The Supreme Court has passed a powerful ruling that supports the LGBTQIA workplace anti-discrimination. We'll be talking with Jocelyn 
Gonzalez and DeFries about that later in the show. But we also have to talk about here in California, as well as elsewhere, the COVID infections continue to rise. California has had their single day record yesterday, hitting over 4,000 new infections, with half of them being here in L.A. County. Now, the positive is that certain sectors and airlines are starting to take that seriously. Major airlines are now enforcing and demanding that all passengers wear masks. They're also discontinuing alcohol service so as to decrease interaction and also time that people aren't wearing masks. We also see a lot of things still happening inspired by the Black Lives Movement movement, and that is things like the band Lady Antebellum dropping words like antebellum, which are historically related to slavery. We also see brands like Aunt Jemima and Uncle Ben changing their branding. This is powerful. Why? Because in mental health, we have a syndrome called minority stress. And that's related to any identity, whether it's race, gender, or sexual orientation, daily going under chronic ongoing discrimination or bias. Now, mental health is about inclusion, acceptance, but even more powerfully, actual celebration. And so when someone is marginalized or exploited in an ongoing basis, of course, that stress is going to lead to heavy rates of trauma. And that's why we are working powerfully on doing all we can to reduce that. Now, let's go to the iconic Chili from TLC. How are you? Welcome to the show. <laughs> I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. So I like to ask all my guests to start off, how right now through everything is your mental health? I would say it's pretty good. It's a good word. I, I like say, that. Yeah. <laughs> and what kinds of uh, self-care are you engaging in to really help support your mental health? Um, well, first of all, you know, I, I, I eat very clean. I think, you know, God put all kinds of nutrients here on earth for us. We just got to get to it and do it, you know. Um, so I eat very healthy. I think that plays a big part. Different foods uh, support your brain and your mood, all kinds of things like that. So that's what I do. And I work out. Yeah, I saw so on your... I saw on your IG that you mentioned oregano oil. And I know when someone mentions that, that they are diehard yeah. nutrition. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I love my, you know, it's funny. I, I, the pure oil itself, obviously, you know, this, if you don't, it's, it's like, a it's like, a like you, you have to really know how to do it. So if you put it under your tongue and wait three seconds too long, it's going to burn and you're going to like have a horrible <laughs> experience. But, you know, they have the, the pills, too. So I, I take both. And I take cod liver oil. All right. All but right. Take it. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm, I'm tough. I do three drops in a glass of water and pound that. <laughs> oh. oh, yeah. You're brave because it, I mean, it, it burns, but it works. It yeah. really works. And then if I feel myself catching a call or something like that, I'll stick with the, the liquid and I'll do it like maybe three times a day, okay. like a couple of days. And that usually does a trick for me. So knowing you were coming on, I was just doing my own little exploration of your music. I've been a big fan of you guys since the beginning. And what was really fascinating is yeah. when, of course, and when I looked at your legacy through the lens of like mental health and social justice, I noticed that you guys have been in the game since, you know, Ain't Too Proud to Beg was about like safer sex and talk about sex. We had waterfalls addressing HIV. We had no scrubs talking about female empowerment. We have unpretty yeah. talking about body positivity. Was that planned or did you guys just naturally come to that? That's just us, you know? Um, 
everything that that we did and still continue to do um it's just naturally who we are as women you know and um we it's, it's funny because when we are like when our first album was out actually ain't too proud to beg and <laughs> when the album came out um parents like moms were sending in letters talking about you know because we looked like we were 14 years old we were 20 and 21 and they thought we were children talking about these subject matters and it was hilarious and we were like and it's funny because when you think about a 20 year old they're really not that grown but <laughs> you know hindsight is 2020 but um yeah it was it, it was it was so crazy in the beginning you know um parents calling us feminist that's what they did. And at first we were like, feminists, we're not feminists. But when you think about it, I'm like, yeah, we are. But not in a crazy radical kind of way, you know. Um, and we feel like um, the things that we talk about are most are from a woman's point of view. But a lot of our songs, every, you know, guys can relate to also, you know, uh, especially the No Scrubs one that I've <laughs> Well. Know? Yeah, you made you made you gave us a place to talk about these things because I think watching the Ain't Too Proud to Beg video was the first time I'd ever seen a condom in public. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you know, and Lisa had them, you know, over her her eye and everything. And so what we decided to do was um make it like like, you know, a a, a good thing, like safe sex. We're promoting safe sex. We're not saying go have sex, but if you choose to do so, make sure it's, you know, safe sex. And we would always say, you know, um, priority is key, you know, so. Beautiful. And how about Unpretty? Because, again, that was probably one of the first body positive videos to hit the scene. That was ahead of its time. Yeah, we told a few stories in Unpretty because, you know, people experience so many different things, whether it's, you know, uh, the way you feel about yourself inside or, you know, outside. I mean, we, we all have some some level of insecurity, something we like, oh, if I could change this or that. But ultimately, it is about embracing everything, you know, and being okay with how you look and what your shape is like. Because for to me, what I promote all the time is um, just good health. You know, if you take care of your body, as you get older, you will find that it will take care of you. You know, you won't be in the in the doctor's office so much, you know, or getting a, a thousand prescriptions for things that um, you can avoid if you just take care of the temple, like God said. So. Now let's go to the iconic Chili from TLC. You know, you were talking also about how the industry is very grueling and the high levels of stress from touring and everything you had encountered led to uh, acid reflux. So have you been trying to reduce stress with exercise and diet? Is that, and also faith, is those your three go-to? Well, definitely my faith. You know, I, I am, um, I'm at Seventh-day Adventist. I grew up Seventh-day Adventist actually and fell off. <laughs> You know, you have to make, you know, make your own way. And uh, and I came back, you know, because that speaks to me. And um, so definitely my faith and um, having a, a very a strong mom and a strong system, you know, around me, my personal crew. I mean, it's not it's very small, but I can call either of them and we pray together. We talk about things and I feel safe. They feel safe with me. 
And I think that that is very important if someone can have a circle like that, you know, and because I always say the best family are handpicked families, you know, <laughs> that's just, those are the best family members in my opinion. And that's been wonderful for me. Um, I wanted to ask you about something you said that I thought was stunning because it's something that patients in my practice struggle with that are females, which is you talked about the pressure to be married. And you also were quoted in an in a interview I, said, I saw as having said, you're not necessarily even a fan of marriage. <laughs> I know you're like, how can a Christian woman say that? But, um, okay. I think that marriage is a very beautiful thing, you know, uh, when it's right. Most people that are married have no business being married, you know. And uh, so for me, I'm definitely open to it. It's just I'm not I'm just not sitting around hoping and waiting for it to happen. It's I don't know. I'm just not like that. Um, I mean, it's the same way with the relationship. You know, I, I'm just not, I'm not a serial monogamous, you know, if I'm in a relationship and I get out of that relationship, I'm by myself for a while because I feel like it's very important to give yourself time to even understand why you were in that relationship, whether, you know, you, it was a good or bad breakup, like what was going on with you that attracted you to this person? Like all the, all that kind of stuff is important for me to figure out. And I think it helps you to, to grow, you know, when it comes to just your character, you know, because sometimes we are in a low place and we feel like, you know, a relationship will help. And that's not it. You have to get yourself at 150% first. And that person needs to be at 150%, you know, and then when you get together, then you can just deal with um, the, the little differences that you'll have between each other, because no two people are alike. You know, you're always going to have some differences there. And you have to be honest with yourself to say, hey, I can compromise in these areas, but this right here, I can't. Like people will get in these relationships and two, three years down the line or they're married with children. And then all of a sudden, the same things that were there from the beginning, now they're unhappy with because they weren't, they weren't happy about it the first in the beginning, you know, so they get excited and they hope, you know, they stay in it in hopes of change and things like that. And that's not smart. That's not uh, what a healthy relationship is built upon. Yeah, hundred percent. We, when we enter a relationship, we bring all of our stuff in, right? And you don't want to be bringing Every all these heavy suitcases. There is. <laughs> Leave some of that behind. Do that work before you get into a relationship. I love that. I wish more people thought like that. Like, am I healthy enough to be brought into someone's life? What kind of impact am I going to have on their life? Yes, for sure. Absolutely. I, I mean, I wish that they would too. And people want these healthy, nurturing relationships, but they're they're not healthy, you know? Right. And the other person is not healthy either. So, you know, even one healthy person and an unhealthy person is not going to be a great relationship. It's just not, you just got to work on yourself first. That's right. You're going to bring each other down. Now, before we let you go, I wanted to talk quickly also about music. It, it, you know, a lot of the people that come on the show, they talk about how they use music to help with their mood and it's a spiritual experience. Do you find that music for you is also something that helps with your mood and your mental health? Um, sometimes it just depends on the mood that I'm in. You know, if, uh, when I'm in the kitchen, that's when I listen to the to music the most, not even in my car. Like when I'm in the car, I like silence. I just like to listen to the sounds of just driving, you know, but when I'm in the kitchen, 
I will listen to all types of music. But if I'm really cooking, I can't listen to the music because I'll start dancing and it'll take too long. <laughs> it'll take too long to finish the meal, you know? I'm just like, oh, shoot. Got to have a dance break. I'm dance and singing. I'm like putting routines together. It's too much. So I, I you know, I, I can't listen to music when I'm making a really big dinner. Okay. And uh, I know that iconic TLC aired on CW. How was that to see these other big bands performing your songs? Such an honor, you know, to be honored in that way, to hear how, you know, they feel about us and what my group has done for them, what song, you know, touched them in a way or our style with, you know, just outside of the box. We did everything outside of the box and that's just who we are as a, as a group, you know? And, um, and when you get on the scene, you just have to be yourself and some people will like you or a lot of people will like you or, um, and some will not. And that's just, that's just how it goes, you know? And, um, so when that happened and listening to them put their own little, twist on our songs because we've never heard a good remix of any of our songs and we've never understood why we're like wait a minute why no good remixes what's going on and that was the first time we ever heard our songs basically remixed wow in a way that was amazing it wow. sounds so good i'm telling you, it touched me it brought tears to my eyes oh wow I'm trying to fight it back i was like <laughs> Oh man, I'm gonna break. But um, you know, it's just it, I, I was just so thankful that they did that. So we're we're very blessed to um, be able to and to to still be alive to hear people. You know, tell they can tell you themselves how they feel about you and what your music has done and continues to do for them. So it's kind of like you know what, Lord, all right. We're doing what we're supposed to be doing. Well, your music is that music where no matter where you are, no matter who it is, if it comes on, everyone starts bopping to it. So you've done something right. <laughs> uh, Chili, thank you so much for being a part of the show. And I will see you in aisle two at Whole Foods. Aisle two at Whole Foods or aisle four at Sprouts. That's right. I'll see you there. Have a beautiful <laughs> night. All right, time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Sliding into the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sexy world and we want you to explore with confidence. DMs come from our Loveline IG page. They also come from my at Dr. Donahue IG page. Uh, do my best to answer everyone's questions, but the best way to get my attention is to slide on in and we'll answer them on air. This one asks, Hi, Dr. Chris, I have a topic or question that I can't find any reading material on. I know you discuss so many different types of relationships and fetishes. I have this guy that tells me he is attracted to me and turned on that I have a boyfriend. I can't make sense of it. And well, you seemed like the perfect person to ask. If you could and have the time, help me understand this. I'm very interested as to why others are turned on by a person being in a relationship. You are amazing. Thank you for being you. Oh, that's very sweet. Thank you. I get a lot of hate DM. So I love when I get some supportive, loving ones. Um, well, I don't get a lot of hate, but it happens. It happens to all of us. It's rough. Okay. So this is, this is really interesting. So part of this, I want the answer to be the understanding that 
arousal is gigantor. It is plastic as all, as all get out. So we can be turned on by anything. And that's the beauty of eroticism. It can be directed towards anything, sights, sounds, smells, objects, and it changes and it grows and expands as we encounter new experiences, new people, and new things. So the sexuality you have today could change in minor ways or powerful ways down the road, but it's also bigger than you realize it is because we don't always bump into things. If, for instance, if you've never had an experience with a certain type of behavior, body shape, body type, you don't even necessarily know that you are turned on by that. So it sometimes it's contextual, sometimes it's ongoing, universal. And for some people, they are turned on by someone else being desired by another. Some people are turned on by the taboo of something. Some people are turned on by the stress or the distance that's forced because they're in a relationship. Some people are visual. Some people like someone that is shown to be wanted and they like that value that's reflected back. The biggest answer though is always gonna come by asking the person because someone's interest in something, whether it's feet or balloons or watching their own partner have sex with someone else, although it might seem like there's a general reason, it's very specific. And so I'm very hesitant about these articles and books that talk about why someone has the sexual interest or fetish they have because it's personal and everything that's occurred in their life is folded into that. And there's specificities. It's not just I, you know, someone might say they like feet. They don't like all feet. They like some feet sometimes on specific people in some certain context. It's it's specific, it's personal, it's subjective. So we can never universalize. And I'm very cautious about that. And a lot of people when they're looking at fetishes or kinks or arousals, they're always, if it's a little different or creative, they inherently assume it's from a trauma. It's a trauma response. No, no. It's no more trauma response than homosexuality or heterosexuality. Being interested in feet is no more of a trauma response being interested in boobs or arms. Like it's just the diversity of it. And some things are more common, other things are less common. And it's cultural it's societal, it's based on all these different factors. So I would worry less about why, because the why implies there's got to be a reason. It's because at some point, um, pleasure has been associated with that experience or because they continually saw that kind of pornography. And again, orgasm has become tied to it. There's so many different reasons. We'll never know why unless you ask the person. And even then the person might not have enough insight or self-reflection to be able to answer that. So again, I always back people off of why, because we'll never know. And there's so many pieces and it's never a led to B. It's not that linear or specific. And instead I would go more into take the compliment, but you're in a relationship. If it's monogamous, you know, thank you, but no thank you. If it's open, bring it on. But it's more about the de-shaming. But we'll never, we'll never know what psychology why. We can never again go A equals B. It's never that linear or specific or direct. It's a complex thing, but it's a great question. Sliding the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sex world. We want you to explore with confidence. Coming up next, we got trans activist and actress Jocelyn DeFries from Strange Angel on CBS All Access. And we're going to be talking about, that's right, pride and all things trans rights. So stick around for that. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. And now we're going to go to actress and trans activist Jocelyn DeFries, who is currently season two Strange Angel on CBS All Access. Welcome to the show, Jocelyn. Hi, how are you? <laughs> I'm really good. I'm really good. And such a powerful moment right now. I mean, a Supreme Court Sliding victory on Monday that DMs. helps protect the LGBTQIA community in terms of work discrimination. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, it's huge. It's huge. It's um, it's opening up so much space for, you know, it's setting a precedent for the way that things 
need to happen, especially with what you know the Trump administration had just said on Friday, saying that you know uh, trans healthcare could be taken away. So you know it was like this low, and then it's like okay, so this battle that had been being fought with Amy Stevens or you know Rachel Tudor, that being shut down sets a precedent that okay. Our Supreme Court justices are on the side, on the right side of history, I would say. So, like, for as a trans person, I was like, I felt, you know, I, I definitely got very scared as of Friday because of, you know, the fact that my health care could be taken away. It, it boggles my mind to think that my health care could be taken away, which at one point, you know, 15 years ago, it was a pre-existing condition. There was no uh, transition-related health care that was covered. And... You know, and especially around mental health, because as a trans person going through the a transition in our society today, you know, having those costs covered and ha whether it be a medical transition or if it is, you know, mental health care, it's like we need those assets or resources rather. And so, um, yeah, I, I think, I mean, honestly, I, I started crying on Monday when I heard this because of you know, the battle that's been going on and hearing like the insanity of, you know, a professor being fired because she was trans, you know, and these things are, I, I just, they can't be happening in our country anymore. And I think that when this comes through or when this came through, it really showed, okay, so our country is behind us more than it has seemed, especially over the, you know, the past three years. So but it, sorry. No, sorry, please go ahead. Please go ahead. No, what I and then, you know, at the same time, it's also with everything else that's going on in the world, it even shows how much more we have to be fighting right now um, for especially black trans women um, who are being murdered at an alarming rate. Um, so it's like, you know, the this is a huge step forward. And it's also um, we it, it's just a reminder that when we activate that, you know, we can make change. Yeah. And it's so heartbreaking because the, the battle's not over, right? Like we're talking about workplace safety. We're talking about healthcare, but talk about for our listeners who aren't familiar with the trans experience, what it's like day to day to live in a country where you have our president and the current administration actively trying to roll back rights and, and just the right to life. You know, as you know, it's overwhelming. And, you know, prior to chatting with you today, I was thinking about, you know, what it was like prior to the Obama administration, you know, before the first time I'd heard a president utter the words transgender being inclusive, you know, and I was taken back to the days where, um, you know, uh, when people would talk about the LGBT community, even on the far left would always leave out trans. And then it's almost like I got spoiled through, you know, the kind of the, trans tipping point and the attention that the trans community got and all the positive changes that happened. And then the, at the prospect of that all being taken away, I mean, it's, it really, uh, it becomes really abusive for trans people. It becomes very, um, I've seen in my community and the conversations that I have that people just feel defeated. The amount of people that have felt, like it's hard to fight. And these are women, these are trans people who are um, continually fighting 
and continually, you know, in the public eye or continually um, doing activist work. And they're still overwhelmed and, you know, waking up days where they're like, I can't get out of bed. This is awful. I can't stand hearing this stuff anymore. We got trans activist and actress Jocelyn DeFries from Strange Angel on CBS All Access. So what tips do you give to trans individuals that are struggling right now with their mental health? I mean, just in general, but also watching everything that's happening in the administration and the news. Um, I would say that a great resource for people is um, it gets better. I mean, online today, it's fantastic. If you just Google like resources for trans people, the, the amount of... Um, different resources that will pop up are actually, it's incredible to me that, you know, at one point it was like, it gets better was probably the only resource. And today there's so many. Um, I would say that uh, the the number one thing to remember is that, you know, uh, this moment will change this, uh, whatever negativity that seems like it's on ongoing it's like if you like hang in there, it will get better. Um, I have seen that in my own life. I've seen that in almost every trans person I know. Yet that is not to say that people are not dying, that um, there is not horrific things happening. But I do truly believe that, and I have seen for many people that if they continue pushing and growing, that um, and whatever that means, if it means. Uh, therapy, if it means connecting with other trans people, which I honestly think right now um, is a huge, huge piece. Connecting with other trans people um, can uh, elevate mood. It can, I know for myself that like the sisterhood I have with my trans girlfriends, it's like a place where I feel accepted and understood that I don't anywhere else. Um, yeah, I'm starting to see now more than ever how important community building is uh, for mental health and, and everything. And also, I, I noticed today that we just finally got the country's first uh, trans-exclusive uh, suicide hotline. And I'm sad that it has to exist, but I'm glad that we have it and it's there. I, had to, I, I was unaware of that. Just saw what, that, I think, this afternoon. Yeah, so it's okay. brand new. Yeah, but um, wow. and and congratulations on season two of Strange Angel. I mean, not only a great show, not only a, you know, All Access has the most amazing uh, projects on there, but also so inclusive. I, I love seeing that. Like, there's so much happening this year and ahead of us. Yes, absolutely. It's wonderful to have a, a representation, and you know, as we're talking about where we are today, like playing. Uh, you know, it's a period project, so. Uh, playing a trans person in history, it's like we have been here throughout history and to, to be able to be representation of that is fabulous. Um, you know, and I think right now more than ever is the important time to say trans people have always been here. Whether, you know, it's a character from like the 1930s that escaped um, Nazi Germany, uh, which there were many, um, you know, it's also Marsha P. Johnson, which is, you know, knowing our history as far as the Black Lives Matter movement is happening right now and being behind that and knowing our history and knowing that I am not separate from that movement, that I need to be a voice amongst that movement in honor of my history. So Beautiful. Jocelyn DeFries, thank you for everything you're doing. And everyone, check out season two of Strange Angel on CBS All Access. Always a pleasure to see you, your dear friend. And I miss keeping up with you. We'll talk soon. Yeah. Good have, to see you. Have a great night. Be well. Love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. Bye. -bye. 
And there it is. So many resources available, so much change happening. 2020 is a big year for so many things, but we got to keep the momentum moving. So I always challenge everyone, pick one level of activism, make it your focus, and community. Build community, connect to community. For those that need more resources, we're going to put up some important numbers after the show. We'll be back on Thursday night, 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, and all of our shows. You can check out the old ones on all the radio.com handles. As always, thanks for hanging out, and you all have a beautiful, beautiful night. All right, we're back, and now it's time for question of the night. Tonight's question was, are you going to be celebrating the 4th of July this year? Dun, dun, dun. Now remember, <laughs> when we typically ask a question like that, it's a very neutralized question, but this year we are talking about it in the context of COVID and collective social responsibility and weighing in on how we impact others. So I'm hoping we all took that into consideration because we're sitting here watching things roll backwards as in many states, they're closing down bars and demanding uh, round the clock use of masks. And I know again, here in California, we're shutting down indoor dining for restaurants. We've closed bars. It's now mandated that you wear a mask or you get fined. And so, um, you know, 4th of July is happening in a very fascinating conscious this time around. Uh, and then I'll give you the percentages of um, response that we got. So we'll see. So the larger question was, if you participated in a Black Lives Matter march or protest or support the Black Lives Movement, do you think celebrating the 4th of July is still right? Why or why not? So first person said, it's a sham and lies. Stop celebrating hate, rape, and genocide. Now, that's the other piece. So as I said a minute ago, 4th of July celebration right now is rooted in COVID, but then it's also looking at nationalism and how we feel about our country and also Independence Day and everything that's tied into that in response to having more of awareness around Black Lives Matter. And that's why, you know, things are more complexified. So like you said, it's a sham and lie. Stop celebrating hate, rape, and genocide. I'm here for that. And that's why I'm thankful that we're taking down a lot of statues that are historically rooted in that and also removing flags that have that built into the emblem as we're seeing happenings in uh, some Southern states. I think it's Alabama that's leading that charge. Someone else said, I don't know. We're basically celebrating white supremacy. Bam. We got some educated uh, love line listeners there. That's, that's what it feels like for a lot of people. Columbus day. That's the other one where we're trying to instead celebrate indigenous people on that day, realizing that Columbus day historically was rooted in their genocide. And so knock down those Christopher Columbus statues. So again, the question is, are you celebrating 4th of July? And we're looking at it in the context of Black Lives Matter, supporting, protesting, and um, should we? Is it still okay? Someone said, do what you want to do. It's not really right or wrong to me. Yeah, I think for some people, it's a personal decision. I know for some people, they don't want to keep reinforcing and perpetuating problematic holidays. And for others, it's not really identified as such. I know some people... They, they don't even know what these holidays are, are signifying or related to. You know, Memorial Day, Independence Day, they're like, I just know I have off, <laughs> right? And it's not necessarily politically charged. But when you really do the deep diving and the research and look at what we're honoring and what it's built upon historically, it can kind of shift it for you. So are you celebrating the 4th? Someone said no, because it's celebrating... A uh, No, because it's a celebrating of freedom that did not apply to enslaved black and brown folks. Bam, beautiful. Agreed on my end as well. Someone else said we have nothing to celebrate right now. It's really hard, I think, to be celebratory in general because... You know, COVID is adding a lot of anxiety and depression. We're watching businesses close. We have a staggeringly unsettling high rate of unemployment right now. 
all the people I'm working with clinically, oh my goodness, and the amplifying of their depression, anxiety, and loneliness, and they're worried about bills and childcare. It's, it's really hard, I, I imagine, to celebrate anything, even if it's a birthday or an anniversary, because it's just not feeling like a year that was really good. And people that are saying, my birthday doesn't count this year. I didn't have a year. So I'm, I'm not counting. <laughs> Counting it. I I think there's something emotionally really honest about that. So again, the question is, are you celebrating the 4th of July? And we're asking that within the context of Black Lives Matter. Someone else said, uh, nope, because our country isn't free. It's true. It's true. What independence? Who's independence? You know, white supremacy, white people? Sure. But not people of color, not black people, not indigenous people. And also a lot of people in the LGBTQIA community don't necessarily feel free. And so independence to them is maybe a hard word for them to hear as well. Someone else said it's basically like Cinco de Mayo. I appreciate that. For some, it's a really appropriate thing. It's not honoring a beautiful legacy. Someone else said, I will never celebrate 4th of July again, Fourth, uh, July 4th. I, I appreciate that as well. I think... I think I also have a new relationship to a lot of holidays. I know that also happened even with Christmas. It felt too consumerist and capitalistic, and it had lost the value of just getting together with family and spending time together. Uh, Thanksgiving feels very different, right, for the same same reason. Um, so Thanksgiving was also really hard for me because I am all about animal rights activism, and I'm vegan, and it's really centered around murders. I'm sorry, well, the murder and the harming of animals as well that, that are being consumed. And then uh, finally, someone said no. But I also don't want Juneteenth to turn into just a drinking holiday like St. Patrick's Day or Cinco de Mayo. And I appreciate that as well. We want to really feel the power of what is behind the, the, the value of some of these holidays. Like, what are we really honoring? And that's, and that's what some of its purpose is. So looking at the percentages, give me one second here. We definitely had far more no's than we had yeses. So it was about an 80% to a 20%. So proud of y'all. You know, you're looking at the ethics and the impact of everything we're doing, which is kind of the new lens we're moving forward with, right? Like who's left out in what we're doing or celebrating or promoting? Who's included? Who does it center? And I think that that's an important lens. So I'm glad we're starting to think through in that way. Question of the night, it's always up on our Loveland IG. So you can weigh in on that anytime that's always there around the clock and then coming up next we'll be sliding into the dms dms are always open on our loveline ig page so slide on in there if you have any questions concerns thoughts opinions um we're here for you all right you're listening to loveline with dr chris on the new channel q and radio.com all right y'all we are back and now it's time to slide into those dms sliding into the dms sliding into the dms is brought to you by our friends at trojan condoms because it's a big old sexy world and we want you to explore with confidence our dms come from our loveline ig page so slide on in there and we will answer your question you can also try it at the dr donahue ig page and we will answer your question on air this one asks dear dr chris what is the appropriate way to refer to mixed race people I feel like categorically calling them black comes from the perspective of other white people, and I just want to be sensitive and supportive. Love questions like this. This can also fall under the conversation around gender presentation and what are the appropriate pronouns or terms to refer to someone, even sexual orientation. A lot of people will sometimes say things like gay because they know someone has a same-sex partner when in fact that person identifies as queer or bisexual or pansexual or fluid. So it really falls under, sometimes we have to ask individuals, how do you prefer 
to be, what do you prefer to be called or how do you prefer to be referenced or what pronouns do you prefer? I think that there's something beautiful in asking that. It, it makes the other one, the other individual feel safe and cared for. It's also a sign of respect. It's also an important conversation to have because we don't want to make assumptions. There are some people where they're of mixed race, but one race is how they identify. Some people are, you know, one white parent, one black parent, and they identify as black. Some people identify as mixed race. Some people identify of color. And so it's hard to say across the board how someone is going to identify based on how you perceive them to look or what you perceive their parents' races are. And so it really does fall under asking, but I like your question implies a lot of self-awareness and compassion and understanding saying that, you know, just calling them black can come from the perspective of other white people. Like that can just be assumed. So yeah, unfortunately we have to ask these questions, but it, you know, we've, we have some problematic historical terms that we used to use for people that are of mixed race. So I'm glad that we've moved beyond using those terms. Um, those are really familiar for a lot of people historically, but we've kind of pushed beyond that and outside of that. And I'm glad for that. And some people can sometimes be overwhelmed by all the different ways that we can label and identify, but it's honest. We, we weren't living honestly when we were giving people these few ways to see themselves in the world. Even now we talk about like Latinx, where some people aren't identifying as Latina or Latino. I mean, it's, it's stunning. And I know it's upsetting to some people. It feels chaotic, but remember it's rooted in the person feeling valued and cared for. It's a, important, important, huge part of mental health and we need it. And, and again, the, the world is about multiplicity. It's not as simple as we want it to be. We really love living in a black and white binary where there's so few options, but again, that's not honest. And we talk about race. There's such a beautiful, diverse spectrum of how people can be seen or what could, they can be called. And it, and it changes. There's a time when we said African-American. Now people prefer the term black. And we used to just say of color and that meant everyone. And now a lot of individuals say, no, black is black. Of color is other than that. That does not apply. And there's the indigenous individuals and population. So there's just, we have to ask people and it changes. Uh, we no longer refer to people as a minority, right? We now say marginalized and exploited because that's honest. Um, minority again is just this reflection to the majority and it's really disenfranchising because they themselves have been forced into that position. So a lot of work, we'll, we'll keep talking about it. I love these questions. Keep asking them. You have to ask the individual, but I like these questions being asked because it tells me that we care and that we're starting to have the awareness that there's so many different ways to move through the world and that we want people to feel good. <sighs> Breaks my heart that some people are upset by this and they fight it. I, I, it's just kind of how it's going to be. And there's more of this to come. And that's the thing. Like it's only going to get more expansive and more multiplicity in terms of, again, how people identify and how they move through the world. So get, get comfortable. All right, y'all, that is our show. We'll be back on Monday, uh, 7 p.m. Uh, Pacific, 8, uh, 10 p.m. Eastern. Woof. You can check out all the old podcasts on We Are Channel Q and Radio.com, as well as check out my show. I'm listening live on all the Radio.com handles. Uh, on Monday show, we'll be talking about bump -a -bum, microaggressions and racial gaslighting. And that's important because these things still happen and they tend to go under the radar because not everyone's aware of them or finds enough meaning in them, but they are quite toxic and problematic. And that's us continuing the conversation around mental health and racism in our culture. I hope you all have an awesome, beautiful weekend full of self-care. As always, thanks for hanging out with me and you have a beautiful, beautiful night.